All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, May 16th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, last week we teased something special. And we, we, mm. we didn't say we would definitely deliver. You know, when you tease, doesn't mean you're promising. It's just teasing. We yes. teased something special. And uh, Clayton, would you say that we have something special lined up for right now? I, I would say we do. Well, you know what? Let's stop the tease. We never promised. But here he is, our special guest for our summer movie preview episode from Exhibitor Relations Co. Jeff Bach is here, everybody. Hey guys, it is again an honor to be here to represent movie and filmdom in the summer preview. I mean, this is the biggest part of the box office world. This is the $4 billion summer. I, I'm not saying this summer is, but I'm saying that's what it usually is. This is a divine honor. Thank you, both of you guys. You're welcome, Jeff. I mean, this is like being a football analyst and you're you're asked to come do the pregame show for the big game. We won't say the copyrighted name of that big game, but it, th- that's what the summer movie season is for box office. It is the... Big game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't get any bigger than what we're doing here. We're rebuilding the summer box office, folks. That's what Mm -hmm. 2022 is all about. If 2021 was a reboot and 2020, let's just be honest, it was just it was just ruinous. It was like an apocalyptic film, right? That's what Mm -hmm. 2020 was. This is the rebuild. And in 2023, guys, I'm guaranteeing it right now, all will be restored. Everything will be restored just as you remember it, going back in time to 2019 and before. That's it. I just called it. Wow. Wow. Right here. So so I guess this summer is going to be the bridge. Exactly. You know, we, exactly. We're, leave, we're leaving the fiery wreckage, the post-apocalyptic world. We're on the bridge right now. And we're headed to the promised land. So it's it's you know what? It's nice to be on the bridge. You know, you, no one's ever complains when they're on a bridge. No, you yeah. you made it. You escaped certain doom. And now you're yes. you're looking at the people, yeah, and you're a little sad at the people that didn't make it. And there's probably right. some family members and friends, but you are pretty damn happy you're on the bridge, right? Y- yep. Yep. So Clayton, before we take a look at this bridge that we're on. Usually you do the plow the beginning of every week. You go over the, the past weekend's top five. I'll ask you, Clayton, do you want to give the honors to someone else this week? Well, of course, I don't think uh, that it would be right not to. Jeff Bach does such a great reverse plow. So I would like to cede my plowing duties to Mr. Jeff Bach. Wow, you guys, that is another honor bestowed upon me. I appreciate that. Let me jump on my John Deere right now and just go for it. Um, coming in at number five, everything, everywhere, all at once with 3.3 million this week, dropping only 6%. Are you kidding me? Is this real life? What is going on here? 47 million total. Guess what, folks? It is going to be the number one domestic A24 release of all time by next weekend. That's right. That's pretty big news. Number four, <laughs> the non-starter, Firestarter, Universal Bloom House's big old flopperoo coming in with $3.8 million. Yeah, I know. It's also on Peacock. Don't remind me. Let's just move beyond that. Uh, number three, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. 
dropping just 24% with 4.5 million, 175 million all time. This is the biggest video game movie ever, guys. That's crazy, domestically speaking, of course. Number two, The Bad Guys, still popping. Still popping, are you kidding? Seven million, again, seven million dollars. 66 million total, not bad. Universal found a little sweet spot there. And then, of course, number one, again, nobody expected anything different, Dr. Stranger. Number two, Stranger Danger with another 61 million. Yeah, it's a 67% drop. Yeah, it's kind of big, but it's also at like 292 million um, in 10 days, passing films like Harry Potter and Twilight, their, their entire lifetime grosses. So guess what? Marvel is doing its thing and it's doing it well. And that is your top five re reverse plow. Wow. Great wow. job. Unbelievable. I, 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 I just, I, it gives me chills every time Jeff Bach guests and, and does his reverse plow. So guys, I'll throw it out there. Let's start at the top. Dr. Strange, like you said, Jeff, Huge drop, 67%. Though to be noted, this is basically what the B.O. Boys predicted last week. And it's pretty much the same drop that Spider-Man No Way Home, one of the biggest movies ever, had going into its second weekend. So it, do either of you have any concern? I mean, Jeff, it seemed like you didn't. But is there any reason to be concerned about the the reception to Doctor Strange? Is it underperforming? Is it going to underperform? Is it you know, not going to make a billion worldwide. And does that matter? So I'll throw that out to you guys. Is, is, is strange. Okay. Or is there, uh, is there cause for concern? Uh, I mean, I think that there was an understanding with this movie from Marvel's perspective that it wasn't going to be the most loved or the most rewatched of the films. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's you're seeing a lot of reports of fans not liking this as much and not wanting to go see it again, which is really how these movies make a ton, a ton of money and make Bafa Bobo. And it's like, I do think, and I'm not a big Marvel guy, you guys both know this, and I'm not saying the sky is falling here. And we're hearing a lot of the sky is falling, they're doing too many TV shows, it's you're getting oversaturation, similar to how Pixar was, where Pixar movies would come every couple years. They were a big thing. And then Pixar started doing two movies a year and it, it was oversaturation and the quality dipped. I think that people need to calm down. The fact that this is still opened, it's the 11th biggest domestic opening of all time. So mm -hmm. it made a lot of money. And yes, it's not going to be the most popular, the most beloved Marvel movie. But Marvel's going to keep chugging along, and this is going to make a ton of money. Yeah, Clayton hit that right on the head. Listen, it opened it with $187 million, you guys. Mm -hmm. Of course, the drop is going to be massive. And guess what? Who cares? Who cares if you have a 67% drop when you have the number 11 opener of all time? It just proves... Uh-oh, what's going on? Got it. Okay, thanks. Um, my computer was letting me know there's a recording in progress. Anyways, okay, so 187 million opener, number 11 of all time. Guys, it did, it just barely gets bigger than that on all levels. So Marvel's going to be just fine here. They're uh, they're starting something new. They're mixing in the TV shows um, with the films. And I know a lot of people don't like that, 
traditionally, but it is something new and they're, they've kind of dared to do something new and that always kind of pushes them forward to something else. And guess what, guys? This is just a buildup for Avengers 5 anyways. So that's all mm-hmm. this is. Doctor Strange and all his friends, Shang-Chi and Captain Marvel and all these, and Ant-Man, they're all going to meet up in the next Avengers film. And that's what this is all about. So they don't have to do Avengers business every time out. Right. Yeah. If anything, we've gotten spoiled by just how big Marvel gets on the high end and, and how big Spider-Man No Way Home was. But Doctor Strange was supposed to be a prequel. It was supposed to be a prequel to Spider-Man No Way Home. So the fact that this prequel is going to even sniff a billion dollars is incredible. So uh, the, the drop doesn't matter. This is a huge hit. It's mar- Everything's fine in Marvel land. So, you know, the, the haters... Uh, haters don't listen to the show anyway, so why even acknowledge them? <laughs> and the uh, thing yeah. is, you, this could hit that magic number. No Marvel film in the MCU is hit between nine hundred and and nine hundred ninety nine million, right? Like that that is rarefied air. It's either under nine hundred or over a billion. So Doctor Stranger might fill that void, you know, in the uh, in the MCU. We're finally going to have a movie that just doesn't make a billion, but is higher than nine hundred million. That's a special day. That's interesting, and that's the type of thing that, you know, it, it, it makes Doctor Strange an answer at, a, at pub trivia, you know, <laughs> exactly. where before, if it just hit a billion or if it hit under 900 million, it's not going to be the answer for a pub trivia question, but now it is, especially if your pub is box office focused, which they all should be. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yes. Throwing another one out there in this top five. Uh, I mean, you sounded so excited when you got to say what the number five movie of the week was, Jeff. So everything, everywhere, all at once, 6% drop in its eighth weekend. This is incredible. $47 million. Like you said, it's going to end up passing our beloved Uncut Gems to be the biggest A24 earner of all time. And I'm going to throw this out. This is something I've been saying with Clayton. I think this movie is going to get its way to $60 million domestic. Jeff, what do you think? And Clayton, are you still continuing to be anti-everything, everywhere, all at once? <laughs> well, I'll let Jeff talk first. Okay, because, yeah, they're, they're, the general excitement is still there for me. Um, obviously, I really love this film. Um, and I think it benefited by, and you guys have discussed this before, but because we've had these multiverse films in you know with with doctor strange appearing now but even before with spider-man with rick and morty people understand the multiverse with with the animated spider-man people understand this and it was it was nice to see this happen outside of a comic book universe and in fact add a whole bunch of like kung fu elements and stuff like that you know and Mm -hmm. it, it was really the perfect time i know the filmmakers were were a little bummed out that their film didn't come out earlier because they felt like everybody was jumping on the momentum that they had i think this project was like uh, 10 years they had this going for at least 10 years prior they had been writing a, some kind of incarnation of this film so to see it jump on all of these big studio films i mean this is a24 this is a i know they spent 25 million which is a lot for them but that was money well spent and i think they had an inkling that it was going to do some sizable business as well uh i just don't think they thought it was going to play for eight weeks and drop six percent i mean this is like this is the indie equivalent of greatest showman you know what it's doing right Mm -hmm. now and you're right i think it could get to 60 million because we're looking at if you look at the release schedule you got top gun you got 
Downton Abbey. Uh, that's not really going to push these guys out of theaters, right? Like the only thing that really is going to compete with it is A24's other film, Men. But even that film is so genre specific, and I don't think it's going to do that great uh, opening this weekend. I, I really think people are going to keep coming back to this film, and it's going to play well into summer. I just, I just feel like that's what's going to happen. And it, and again, it's just started to open overseas. And it, it opened in the UK last week, did some great numbers there. So there's a lot of life left in this film. Now, Clayton, now bash it. Bash it. Take it away. Well, I'm not going to bash this film because I've not seen this film. And I, you know, we, this is not critical podcast. We're not movie reviewers, huh? Where we talk about <laughs> box office. And what this movie has done at the box office is spectacular. And I think Doctor Strange, and again, Doctor Strange is a huge success, but it's not well-loved. So I do think that everything, everywhere, all at once is going to benefit from that because people who saw Doctor Strange and were bummed out by it, they're cooler quote-unquote hipper friend may say well go see the real good multiverse movie everything everywhere all at once and they'll go and they'll see that and i think that's what it's going to be it's going to be the hipper companion piece to dr strange and here's the benefit of something like everything everywhere all at once doing well there maybe there's some 15 year old who was a marvel head an mcu zealot goes to see everything everywhere all at once and starts delving into smaller, artier films, other A24 films. This could open the marketplace for smaller independent films, weirder films to do well at the box office because a younger generation is going to use this as a entry point. I mean, it's similar to bands when, you know, this is aging us all probably, but someone like... Kurt Cobain wearing a Daniel Johnston t-shirt, it opens the door covering the meat puppets. That opens the door to young people understanding there's other music than stuff played on the radio. And similar to this, that there are other movies other than MCU movies. And that is positive. That That's great. And then the, the question becomes, who will be the meat puppets to Everything Everywhere's Nirvana? You know, that what A24 movie or what sort of art house small movie coming out in the next few months maybe gets that that tween, that teen, that young 20 something who sees everything everywhere and thinks, you know what, I could see a movie that has a budget of less than $250 million. I could do that now. And maybe then they go take a chance on something else. So we'll see. But yeah, I think this movie's going to hit 60. It's a phenomenon. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just been so exciting to see a true, you know, something about Mary, my big fat Greek wedding, obviously not at that level, but that type of run for a movie. You know, we had a little taste of that with something like Free Guy last summer, but I feel like this is the, the since the pandemic, this is the best you know, word of mouth run that we've, we've seen a movie have. Absolutely. So it's been very exciting. Yeah. And outside of, and, and this is the thing though, and this is the thing it's sometimes it's difficult to cross to people. Everything everywhere all at once has really been controlling the narrative, especially on film, Twitter mm -hmm. and other social medias for eight weeks, you know, and 
And what it's done is extraordinary, but it's still only at 47 million, right? And that's, that's like half a day's gross for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So it shows just how far away general audiences are from, you know, independent art house cinema. Um, and that's something mm-hmm. to take note of, I think. It's just because, you know, you put everything out in the multiplex and guess what? All these films are competing against each other for screens, you know, and mm-hmm. they're keep competing against each other for future screens. And that's what's so interesting about this summer. If we take it back to that, there's not a lot. There are 37% less films out there in 2022 this summer than in 2019. So that's a lot more screens available for a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once to play a lot longer. I'm not saying we're going to take this thing all the way back to 1986 where Top Gun played all summer long and then became number one again in September. I mean, are you kidding me? Like in its 16th week or something like that? Mm-hmm. But everything, everywhere, all at once, as long as that word of mouth stays strong and it has been for eight weeks, I think a lot of exhibitors are going to try to hold on to this film as long as possible. So, it, it you know, it is it is entirely possible this thing is still there in July and August, which is pretty damn cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that is an, that is a real interesting thought right there that everything everywhere could be in the top 10 in August. And we'll look ahead. And when you look at that August slate, that is not crazy. It is not the craziest thing. It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard that that's for sure. I've heard crazier. Um, so let's take a look Uh, let's just jump in. Does anyone have any thoughts on the, like Jeff said, the non-starter that was the one big new wide release of the week, Firestarter, the second adaptation of the Stephen King book, uh, opened at $3.8 million. Uh, Jeff, what does this say for Stephen King as a brand? Does it say anything? Why did this movie fall so flat? I mean, did anybody want this one? Firestarter is always Stephen King is he's a mad genius, obviously, and and his stories are still scarfed up like they were just written yesterday by a lot of production companies. Everybody wants to be in the Stephen King business. Um, And I think that that's what happens when you're a little oversaturated in terms of. Uh, everybody's got to have a Stephen King story um, on their palette, you know, and their release slate. And that's just one of those that people aren't that interested in. And there's a, there's a lot of other Stephen King stories, even a lot of the short stories that still hasn't had, haven't had a big screen treatment yet. Um, I would probably go with those instead of reheating something like this, but, um, and I haven't heard the Peacock numbers, so I don't know how it boosted um, that service, but anything is better than nothing for Peacock. I think we can all agree on that. Well, yeah, I think oh. Universal knew they had a stinker. I think they put this movie out in theaters in Peacock Day and Date just to try to make a little money off of it. Obviously, it makes it, it takes money to make a movie, so they needed to try to make the money back somehow. And they're realizing that we got to put movies in theaters to even have any sort of chance of making some money here. And I don't I don't think and I said this last episode I don't think Stephen King is a strong IP because he truly is only it. It was huge. It part 2 was also huge, not as huge. And that's because there's a clown in it. And as Jerry Lewis's son once sang, everybody loves a clown. 
You see Joker's the biggest star in Hollywood. He's the most acclaimed character, most f- uh, fed with, uh, with awards, double Oscar winner. And I think it's the clown factor of it. And without the clown factor of it, Stephen King does not have it. Whoa, hmm. whoa, that's bold. Uh, you know, Clayton and I were discussing Maximum Overdrive, which was either directed by Stephen King or Cocaine. Nobody has, has decided on that um, definitively yet. But um, it is it is interesting that you point this out, Clayton, because um, when we look back at at a lot of Stephen King adaptions, they are they are box office disappointments. So it's something to consider, I think. Um, and maybe maybe his work is better suited to this small screen. I know I, I kind of enjoyed The Stand, but I didn't really. I still don't think it captured what the novel is all about um, in the latest. I think it was, was it Paramount Plus, I believe, that it was on? Yes. I, one of the – it's so hard to remember, but I, I do – I think it was Paramount Plus. Yeah, or CBS All Access, whatever it was before Paramount Plus. Yeah, I, I think that's – but that seems better suited just because, um, you know, his his books – listen, Stand By Me is still one of my favorite movies. So, you know, I, I but I will take your analysis outside of Stand By Me. I totally agree with it. Yeah, we'll see I mean, what happens with Salem's Lot – yeah. September 9th. That will be that'll be a telling thing because Firestarter obviously small budget, not really big stars in it. Salem's Lot has a has a stronger sort of hook to it because I believe it's vampires. And we'll see. We'll see if is it is it another Doctor Sleep? Is it another Pet Cemetery, you know, underperform disappointment. Yeah, I mean it's going to have that you know, and this will be for our fall preview. It's going to have that early September Warner Brothers horror s- slot, you know, that they've used on The Nun, that they used on both the It movies. So th- that's almost like a, a big budget movie getting the Memorial Day weekend slot. You know, it's it should be a blockbuster. It's a big test for Stephen King's IP. Firestarter, no one ever thought that would be a big deal. And to be honest, it's it is sort of like we said when Halloween Kills came out in October. That Peacock brand, when you see that on a poster, it just makes the whole movie feel small time. You know, Peacock is such a an, an afterthought when it comes to the streamers that it's it's almost like negative branding. It just reinforces Firestarter is not going to be worth worth an S because. It's peacock. Yeah, it's you know, it's so. it's like seeing a kids meal advertised at Carl's Jr. You know, it's like that's no happy meal. Yep. If your characters exactly. are on the kids meal at Carl's Jr., you failed yourself. I'm sorry. And yeah, no, hey, I all respect to Carl's Jr. fans out there, but they have no business in the happy meal department. Come on. No, no, and I think deep down that the Carl's Jr. fans know that as well. So, do speaking of kids movies. The Bad Guys, Sonic the Hedgehog, Jeff, are either of these movies that would be on a Carl's Jr. kids meal or both of these McDonald's level? I mean, Bad Guys could be there, but I I feel like Bad Guys is totally Burger King level. You know, that's pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Um, Sonic obviously is McDonald's level, no question about it. Like Sega and all their characters um, from here to infinity, honestly, they could probably be McDonald's material. Um, Paramount just better make sure they buy all of Sega's IP here on out. Um, we, we've kind of discussed this before, but video game movies are going to be the next big thing, whether you really want them to be or not. There are just 
multi-generations of people that have played these games now. And when that Super Mario Brothers hits next spring for that spring preview, it's going to be my number one film on there. I just think it's time uh, Nintendo Mario Brothers is going to take over. I mean, Sonic, who would have thought in this day and age, in 2022, Sega way up here, Nintendo way down here as far as movie adaptions go. Wow. That is that is so dead on. And and I do love that Sonic is McDonald's level. The bad guys is a Burger King level. And if we go down this top 10, I think we could all say Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. That's a Jack in the Box level. Yeah, Arby's Jack in the right Box there. for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're, I, you're, you're, oh, you uh -oh. disagree, Clayton. No, no, no. I was going to say that I love this way of judging kids' films. Mm -hmm. And I think we should instill this as something that we do, you know, uh, forever on this podcast, if you don't mind, Jeff. But when we do our summer movie preview, I do think we need to specify how we think these kids' movies are going to do by what kids' meal they would be uh, 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 featured on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's the universal language for sure. No matter what your educational background, no matter what, what uh, demographic, what part of the country you're in, we all understand which fast food chains are, are higher on the chain. And we know that we all know that light years McDonald's level. Like that's not even a question and you get it. You're like, oh, yeah. Now DC Super Pets, you guys have at it. What do you got? I am I am very excited to get into this. So yeah, we got to get to the summer movie preview real quick. Just one more one more question I want to throw out there. Uh, looking back, uh, Jeff Bach, The Lost City is now at ninety seven point one million dollars. This is of course a good old fashioned Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Brad Pitt star. Is this movie going to get to a hundred million dollars domestic? It is. It is. So close. It is so close. It's losing screens, but it hasn't lost all its screens. Is it getting to 100, Jack? I mean, not that it really matters because Paramount always they, – they already have a hit here, right? But god damn mm -hmm. it, it better get there. And they better mm -hmm. play double features with what whatever they have to do with Top Gun Maverick to make it past 100 million. You know what I mean? Like, listen. Yeah. It has to. The pattern is definitely not full yet. We're going to get this thing to 100 million. There, you don't stop at 98.9. You know what I mean? Just finish it off. Yeah. That's what us box office guys like to see. We like to see, like, we don't like to see a film gross 98, 99 million. That's, to me, that's very upsetting. I don't sleep well at night when I see a film like that. I'm like, there's some way they could have pushed this. Well, the answer's right there. Tom Cruise is right there in two weeks. You push that thing. You double feature the shit out of this thing to get it to hundred million. Are you guys with me or what? Oh, oh we absolutely. are with you. And Jeff, that is the, that is the uh, last play of the game speech that a great coach would give. You know, the, 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 they've got the ball at the one yard line right now. You don't stop here. You don't stop at 98, 99 million. You push it all the way in. You get into the promised land. You get into the end zone. Paramount has to do this. They're, they're, 
The, I don't care what accounting tricks they have to pull. I don't care if they have to lose money to make money with, with a renewed advertising push. They got to get this in the end zone. Lost City must make $100 million. There's no way around it. You can't come this close and fail. And it's already on Paramount Plus, which is, you know, another thing. It's like, God, you couldn't just hold that for two more weeks? Are you kidding me? I know. I know. I would would consider if I was running Paramount Plus to just when people click into it, just have it be an advertisement. Come on, guys. get, Get your ass to the theater. You know, just you hit play on Paramount Plus and there's a localized list of movie theaters that are still showing The Lost City. Tell them, listen, it'll be here in a few weeks. Don't cancel your subscription. But but just go see this. Come on. I do think there's there is a level of leeway there where people don't realize something is on a streamer until later because we we focus on that. It's our jobs to report things like that. Most people come home from their job. They might not turn on Paramount Plus for a couple weeks, a couple days or whatever because they're too busy doing other stuff or their kids are hogging the TV or whatever. So I think there's there's going to be a week or two where people will not know and still go to the theater. But I agree, this has to go over 100. And one of the things we tell people is, if you want movies that you like to see in the theaters get made, you have to go see movies in the theater. And The Lost City is an adult romantic comedy starring two big stars. And if somebody comes into a room and tries to pitch something like that to a studio, it's much easier to say, well, The Lost City made $100 million, instead of, well, The Lost City made $98 million. The Lost City made $99 million. $100 million means something in this business. It means something to us. It means something to executives. And to say $100 million is important for the future mm-hmm. of these type of movies. Yeah. And, and I'm looking down the... I'm looking down the list and looking at something like what Sony did with Uncharted this week. It put Uncharted in a thousand more theaters because it is trying, and I don't think it's going to get there, trying to get it to an arbitrary $150 million domestic. You know, and, and I don't think that's going to work, but it goes to show these studios, if they grease the right palms, if they pat the right backsides, they could get a movie like Lost City into a bunch of new theaters for at least one weekend. So, you know, if Paramount, just pat the right backsides. Don't pat the wrong backsides. Don't grease the wrong palms. But they could get Lost City into a bunch of theaters. Maybe this weekend, you know, the weekend coming up, this would be the one to do it where there's not a huge amount of new stuff coming out. So we'll see. But Paramount, you know, you got the ball in the one-yard line. Yeah, So just, let's, just let's drive start. it in. Listen, you're at, I think they're at 1,600... 75 theaters this weekend you add about 500 this next weekend and then yeah you're gonna par down a little bit but guess what you got a thousand theaters probably still you put those as double features with top gun you steal a little of that cruise cash pad that and you're at 100 million easy all day yeah yeah. And here's I, a, I, here's here's an argument for variable pricing too like I'm not saying make this a dollar film but definitely knock a few bucks off of this. So when somebody goes to buy a ticket, they're like, oh, I'll go see this movie for 10 bucks. $5 favorites all day at, at AMC. Yeah. Ex- exactly. All right, guys. So I think it's time 
to go into this summer movie preview. Unless there's anything from the past, anything from this top 10 that anyone wants to make a point on. Otherwise, I mean, of course, Father Stu chugging along just got to 20 million this weekend. So wait, guys, I think that is. I think we got to mention Family Camp. We got to mention that Family Camp came in yes. in the top 10 at number nine with 1.4 million. You know, that's only a couple million less than Firestarter. I don't know who wrote this. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was Stephen King. I don't think it was Joe Hill. I don't think it's anybody we know. But man, they really stole Firestarter's thunder. You put a film out there. It just goes to show you, I, I also think, that 1.4 million, yeah, it's nothing. It's it's garbage time, right? But the fact is that a lot of people went to see this. This made uh, 1,600 per theater average. That's pretty solid for right now. It just mm-hmm. goes to show you how Hollywood just, they don't quite have the guns to play like it's 2019 yet. Because you would have put anything out here this weekend after that big Doctor Strange opening, you would have had you would have seen some pretty solid numbers. That's what it shows me anyway. Yeah, well, it's and a, it's a faith-based okay. movie. And mm-hmm. you mentioned Father Stu, Pat. And you know, Father Stu was something that was uh, uh Mark Wahlberg's attempt to really starify uh, a, these faith-based types of movies and you know 20 million is nothing to to shake a stick at so i mean i think we're going to see more faith-based movies these are the kind of movies that have been doing baffa bobo they get a demo out that normally doesn't go to theaters and there's going to be a time where these types of movies are really competing in that bottom of the top five middle of the top 10 sort of box office and especially when they could they could really not hide, but I mean, you look at something like Family Camp. That poster does not scream, this is faith-based. You know, this is not God is not dead. This is not uh, uh, a Kirk Cameron-type movie where it's very clearly faith-based. You know, this is a faith-based movie that a family might just be walking by the multiplex and think, oh, that's a, that's a fart movie. You know, that's a, that's a family movie where there'll be some farts and there'll be some fun. And, and then they go in there and it's faith-based and it's fine. You know, but the faith-based audience, they knew from the start that it's a faith-based movie. So I think that might be the key is to have these faith-based movies that are like secret faith-based movies, but also not so secret that the faith-based audience doesn't know. They get in the church bus and they still go. That To me, that's what... The, the the needle that family camp is threading so well. Yeah, and I, I mean, I look at that poster and I see the great outdoors all over again. And I think, mm-hmm. is it 1987? And and I think I should go see this film. And again, I, I don't have any affiliations to any gods, but I would go see this film based on that poster. And that, my friends, is called impact advertising, something that Netflix mm-hmm. still doesn't understand that to really make a mark in at the box office in the movie industry, you need to have impact advertising. Netflix doesn't have any of that. They don't even have any of that for their own films. If you if I say two words, you guys, tell me what comes up when I say red notice. What do you think in your mind? Red notice. I mean, I know I saw about 36 minutes of that movie. But, but that's that's what comes to mind. But no, there's no image, right? You there's no There is not an image. No. I mean, I would I was the rock smirking. I I assume there was a lot of smirking going on because you got the rock and you got Ryan Reynolds on the same poster. So, I can't picture it in my head, but I would guess 
a smirk is sort of like the main logo of that poster. Clayton, well, I you- picture I picture the deadline announcement with their headshots, but I can't picture an actual scene mm-hmm. and, and or a poster from that movie. And when I say mm-hmm. family camp, boom, what do you guys see? Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I, I could see them standing at the pier <laughs> at the lake and, and they're fishing and they're smiling yeah. and, and it makes totally it's sense. It's a story. Yeah. You already have a story in your mind. Your mind is feeding off this information. Netflix doesn't have anything to feed on and it eats itself up. I mean, I, yeah. I just don't understand how Netflix has just thrown out hundreds of years of movie marketing in terms of right. trying – I mean, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to create IP, things that stick in people's minds. Hello, you're not even making a movie poster that sticks in people's minds. You know, it's like, go back to square one and figure it out how to do this and then come back to us. I mean, their their stock is cratering and there should be some plucky, you know, junior marketing assistant who just walks into the CEO of Netflix's office today, you know, uh, bursts through the glass doors and throws down a printout of the family camp poster on the desk of the Netflix CEO and says, this is what we should be doing. This is what will raise the stock. And I guarantee you, if there was a junior marketing assistant who who went and actually had the cojones to do that, uh, they'd be they'd be running that company in five years, and that's a trajectory. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And Great Outdoors too would probably be greenlit immediately. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, yeah, family camp, uh, good good, good call there. It was, it's definitely worth talking about. And, uh, you know, I didn't know much about this movie. I, I read here that it comes from a, uh, a comedy group called The Skit Guys. So, you know, The Skit Guys opening a, a, a movie, $1.3 million. That is, uh, you know, for sketch comedy movies or sketch comedy groups with a movie, that's probably up there. That might be up in the top 10. You know, my guess is it's it's higher than Kids in the Hall Brain Candy, unfortunately. But, you know, it's for, for sketch comedy groups, good for the skit guys with Family Camp. Um, so I think it's time that we stop teasing it and jump right in and talk about summer 2022. So, Jeff, I'm going to toss it to you right off the bat. Summer is kicking off Memorial Weekend with Top Gun Maverick. And the buzz on this movie is sky high. I mean, all we hear about is the audience reactions to preview screenings. We're hearing a lot about the emotion that crowds have been feeling at preview screenings for this movie. Where is the the ceiling for this opening weekend? Are we looking at a non-superhero movie that is going to open in triple digits opening weekend. Is that possible? Are you as high on Top Gun Maverick as, as you know, the buzz has been? I'm really, I have to admit to you guys, I'm high on SPF fumes, like super high. I've been greasing up since we last talked about Top Gun. So I'm just going to keep greasing. There's no stopping now. Once you grease and you've gone too far, you just don't stop, right? Top Gun it could be Tom Cruise's biggest opener of all time. I'm going to believe – I'm going to eat up this hype like nobody's business. Listen, Doctor Strange came out it seems like 10 weeks ago. I know it's only been two weeks, and by the time Top Gun Maverick opens, it will have been only four weeks. But that seems like an eternity. We all know the box summer box office season starts the first week of May. We've been conditioned for like 20 years 
and and now to not really have a big movie between Doctor Strange and now Maverick, it just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. I think people get antsy when they can't go see these big popcorn picks. You know, nothing against uh, Downton Abbey two. It's going to be great. It's going to do solid business with the oldsters, but it is not. Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick is a blue state movie. It's a red state movie. It unites mm-hmm. us from L.A. to New York City and everywhere in between. Now, the only question I have is, yes, boomers are in. Gen Xers are in. Millennials, eh, maybe. Maybe they're in. But are the teenagers, is Gen Z into mm. this? You know, and that's the biggest question I have. You know, that's something that propelled what we saw propel No Way Home. So, so huge, you know. A lot of teen walk-ups. That's what it's going to take, I think, for Top Gun to get over that. It's you know, there's a crazy statistic out there. I mean, Top Top Gun um, in terms of Tom Cruise, he's only ever opened a movie at I think 65 million something around there. You you think he has yeah. great legs, he has amazing legs, but he doesn't have these huge opening weekends with those Mission Impossible films that you think that he has. Um, so. All it has to do is get, I think, in the $65, $70 million opener for that three-day weekend, and that would be his biggest of all time. And I just think the momentum is right. The time is right for this film. Obviously, the reviews are there. I mean, they're just popping off. I mean, people are just lathering themselves up on this thing, right? Um, I I really do think over that four days, it's got a shot at $100 Um, and, and it just wouldn't surprise me because sometimes the right film comes along at the right time and that's all it takes. And I, I really feel like this film, I know the Bob's Burger movies out there, but no, I, you know, that film is just out there, um, for, I don't even know who it's for, honest to tell you the truth. I don't even know who it's for. And there's no way it's going to dampen, uh, Top Gun Mavericks debut. So I just don't even think it's a, really a factor. So you're basically the only big film opening after four weeks that's a hundred mil in the bank, baby. Wow. And, and it does look like you're totally right. It's, it's, it's not going to be difficult for this movie to, to become the biggest Tom Cruise opening weekend of all time. Cause unless I'm wrong, it looks like war of the worlds in 2005 is still the biggest opening weekend for a Tom Cruise movie ever. 64.8 million, uh, which beats out Mission Impossible Fallout at 61 million is the second biggest. So you're right, Tom Cruise, you know, he's never done superhero movies. He's never done, you know, just plop him in a Jurassic Park movie, things like that. So his opening weekends are not that crazy level. He's a guy who was a star in the 90s when opening weekends weren't quite as big as they are now. And when it was more about uh, uh, staying power. So he's going to break his own record. A hundred million domestic. I'm feeling the same way. I think that it's going to do a hundred million three day, which I guess means could it make 120 million for the four day holiday weekend? Is Is that possible? I mean, Clayton, are you this high? I know you are a cruise guy. You're a Top Gun guy. It's 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 you know one of your films. So are you as high as Jeff and I? Is this making a hundred million three day? I I think so. I think this makes a hundred plus, and I and I do feel like they've done a great job. The studio has done a great job of promoting this film, of t- t- talking about those screenings where 
Men said they cried and women said they got invested in the love story and how you have to see it on the biggest screen possible. I mean, they're really pushing this as a theatrical event, which I think is how movies are going to succeed going forward, is that you cannot have the experience that you would have at the theater with this movie any place else. And I think they're doing a good job of conveying that. Now, just uh, just from the younger people we've talked to, because, of course, we've yep. been on I Screen, You Scream for movies, and Danny has said this is his most anticipated movie of the summer. Yes. And yes. he's a youngster. We were also on movie. I, I what is the name of that podcast that we were on? Cinema. Oh, cinema uh, spending. We were on cinema uh, cinema spending. Another another podcast hosted by young up and coming uh, David, box office yeah. prognosticator. Yep. My apologies, not remembering, but cinema spending. He said that. He's going to see it. He's excited. His father, who never sees movies, is going to see it. His brother is going to see it. This is, I think, going to be a four-quadrant sort of smash. The only thing I have an issue with is that the internet, I've read a lot of reviews where people are saying this is a dad movie. It's a great dad movie. And it's. I feel like that's a snarky way to... Put this movie in a box where it shouldn't be. I I think dads can enjoy movies that everybody else can enjoy. I think to try to segregate this as a dad movie is is bad. Now, people who are critics, cultural critics, whatever, can say whatever they want. But for the success of a film, I don't think you want to call it a dad film if there are things in there for youngsters and I think if you want youngsters to go, don't call it a dad film. Don't put it in that box just now. Yeah, I, I, I think that is that is the kind of thing. And I don't know who in the industry would be against this movie, but that's sort of the old fashioned smear campaigns that would pop up around Oscar time when you would start to hear some dirt about a best actor, best actress favorite, and of course, inevitably be coming from a rival studio. And so, I don't know. Listen, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna name names. Disney, but maybe <laughs> Paramount. Twentieth century. Twentieth century. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's let's let's. You know, you cough something serious there, Jeff, and it could be <laughs> Disney. Bob's Burgers is the uh, one. Sp- yeah. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. The Bob's Burgers people trying to smear Top Gun Maverick and say it's a dad film. And uh, listen, I don't watch a lot. I, I've not seen Bob's Burgers. You know, I've, I've been out on Fox Animation since probably season 11 in The Simpsons. So I'm not a Bob's Burgers guy. I don't really know the people there, what kind of uh, moral fortitude they have over there. But maybe they're the ones trying to smear Maverick, say it's a dad movie. It's not going to work. And I think the reason that the youngsters are going to see Maverick it's not because they're Top Gun fans. It's not even because of Tom Cruise. It's because youngsters love an event, and this movie is already an event. And the eventness of it is going to be what gets the youngsters to go and make it an even bigger event. And this is, that, that's what they love. Yeah, and this is a this is a legacy sequel, right? In a mm-hmm. way that 
Ghostbusters Afterlife really wanted to be, and they did a good job. I mean, I, I felt like it was a little forced here and there, um, but it didn't it didn't quite make the box office. Uh, I think that Sony wanted. They they are doing a sequel, and that's great, but it, it just wasn't quite the event that that I think that they had imagined when they were getting a, another legacy sequel. Right, um, Top Gun, on the other hand, I think is going to do what. Ghostbusters was unable to do and really get all of those boomers, everybody who was invested in films back in the early 80s and just loved Top Gun. I mean, you guys, it adjusted for inflation, this film made $960 million. It almost hit Jeez. a billy back in the day when that's not even possible, right? Like, I mean, adjusted for inflation, mm-hmm. of course. But still, that is a huge number of tickets sold if we just look at that. And that's on a, you know, that's on a worldwide basis. There are more fans than I think we, I think we underestimate the the fan base of Top Gun, even though it's like pro-American, pro-Navy, you know, pro-fire, pro our, our, our killing machines in the air. But, but guess what? Mm-hmm. It's more about, like you said, the event of it. The, and Tom Cruise, as yeah. we know, is a huge international star, even more so. Uh, I don't even think he was a star back in 86 when this came out. So, uh, that fan base has grown. So we're going to see, I think, some big international numbers, too. Um, this is a possibility of getting, I think, on that top five list world on a worldwide basis this summer. It could it could, um, you know, jump past light year if 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 it really does that super business that we think it's going to do. Um, and, and I know we don't Hello? say this enough, but, you know, red state audiences. Guess what? Did we completely lose Jeff. Oh, hello. Oh, yeah. man. Did you guys lose me there? Okay, okay. So we got you. I think so. We'll we have your local recording. Okay. So we'll just you, we, pick up. From yeah. There. So I've just, you know, we don't talk about this enough, but the red state audiences are sometimes neglected. And this is a huge red state film when we talk about the people who are willing to go pay money for this. Um, you've got a lot of crazy Yankees out there that are, that are going to be in love with this movie and probably step back into the theater for the first time in a long while. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it's gonna play in in the. I think it'll play in the coastal cities because it's an event. But it's gonna play in the stacks, and it's gonna play to the Earth Dogs and to the Plain Billies. This is a, you know, I, I think four quadrants is almost underselling it. This is this is a five or six quadrant film, so that this, this is gonna be huge. But guys, I'm gonna just pose it to you right now. What do we each think will be the biggest movie of the summer let's go straight to the top right now what is domestically going to be the biggest hit from now through the end of august i'm gonna i'm gonna say this one sweeps domestically and worldwide it's gotta be that jurassic world that big d Mm. that dominion it's just it's been long enough it's also a legacy sequel. It's wrapping everything up in the same way, say, a Spider-Man No Way Home wrapped it up. And I think because of those elements, it's going to wrap up the summer title domestically and worldwide. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah, I, I, I wish you had a different one because I know that's where I was going to. It, it just it, it seems like there's no other answer, and mainly because, like you said, it's the it's the third one. This is the this is basically the Avengers of the Jurassic uh, universe. You know, everyone's coming together. You got Sam Neill, you got Goldblum, you've got uh, uh, Chris, you've got 
you know, the Raptors, you've got the T-Rex, you've got the gangsters who were trying to buy dinosaurs in that last Jurassic movie. Like everyone is back. I even think this the, is the I one. even think the shaving cream can is back for this one. I mean, they're pulling out all the stops. You're right. Is there I mean, this would be the surprise of all surprises, but is Newman in this movie? Are we getting a reveal that he was not actually killed in the first Jurassic Park, that he's been hiding out, maybe been the the uh, the puppeteer of all of these Jurassic movies? Who knows? That, that well, buzz alone might be enough to make this the biggest Jurassic movie ever. This Those movies are predicated on the fact that you can create life through finding DNA. So right. if they had a piece of his hair, they could clone him. If they can clone dinosaurs, they can clone Newman. And if they do, you guys, that's two Billy all day long worldwide. So yep. all they had to do was listen to what the BO boys had to say, really, and they'd have $2 billion worldwide. Um, listen, Jurassic World did $1.6. Uh, Fallen Kingdom did $1.3. I think this this gets really close, if not surpasses, the original Jurassic World. People are ready for this. This is a big, big film this summer. Now, yeah. the only movie I feel like has a shot mm-hmm. is Munions, The Rise of Gru. Yep. Because the kids need their cheese, they love their Munions, and I feel like this is a movie that has, you know, was delayed... And it wasn't delayed necessarily because of COVID only. It was, of course, like everything delayed because of COVID. But then they had to finish the animation. So this is a movie that's been brewing. I think of all these kinds of kids sort of franchises, the Munions are the most bulletproof. Where Mm -hmm. by this third, I think this is the third Munions movie. By this point, you would think there'd be some fatigue. I don't think there is. There's such there's such a part of culture. There's such a part of meme culture. They're just everywhere. And I think that if people, you know, don't like this Jurassic Park movie as much, they don't care as much about these original characters from the original trilogy coming back. Because we've had trilogies. The last movies not do as well. Rise of Skywalker being one of those. Spider-Man 3 being one of those. So there's a possibility that Dominion could underperform. Now, it's still going to be massive, but domestically it could underperform, which could be the difference between it and Munions, The Rise of Gru. Yeah, and this is also, this is only the second Munions movie. Oh, uh, okay. There, there have been three Despicable Me movies, and the biggest of the three Despicable Me movies was the second one. Mm-hmm. You know, that that jumped from first Despicable Me made 250 domestic, second Despicable Me made 368 domestic. That first Munions movie made 336 domestic. So there is a chance that this would be the biggest Munions movie of them all. It's the direct sequel to the first one. You've got Gru in the title, and everyone loves Gru. Uh, I mean, when we're talking about what the the McDonald's versus Burger King versus Jack in the Box versus Whataburger kids meal movies is going to be, I I gotta say the Munions Rise of Gru that's your McDonald's uh, Happy Meal. Oh yeah, it's Happy Meal, absolutely. It's Happy Meal. Yeah. It's also on all the Slurpees at Seven Eleven. It's everywhere. It's on your Ziploc sandwich yeah. bags. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the kind of 
movie that Munions is. And listen, guys, the last one did 1.1 billion worldwide. Are you kidding me? And now those toys, those Rise of Gru toys have been out for two years. So there's a lot of nostalgia in the toddlers who thought they were going to see this movie. They've been playing with those toys for two years. You tell me they're not going to see this movie like 20 times this summer. That's what's going to happen. You know, and I have this film on a worldwide basis making more than Lightyear, even though Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4 also hit a billion worldwide. Lightyear is just, there's something strange about doing a film, uh, you know, it's the real fake story of the Buzz Lightyear toy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I still Mm -hmm. can't wrap my head around that. I get it. I understand it. But these multiverses converging kind of weirds me out. It's not like it's not going to make money, but I don't think it's Toy Story kind of money. Let's get into it because I agree. I think, and listen, this is not going to bomb, of course, but if we're talking movies that are big movies that could be disappointments, Lightyear is kind of at the top of my list. You know, I have Lightyear. I saw that trailer a few weeks ago in theaters. And again, I saw it in Brooklyn, Coastal Elite City. Uh, uh, You know, it was... Before not a kids movie, I think it was right before Doctor Strange, a late showing. But there were snickering going on when that Lightyear trailer was shown. People were laughing at the idea that this was a movie about the person who the toy was based on. And listen, snickers aren't tweets and tweets aren't ticks and and all that stuff. But I do think there is some weirdness about what this movie's premise is. And I think more than that, Pixar is in a cold streak. Pixar is a tarnished brand. The last few years, you, I think Pixar is one of the biggest losers of the pandemic. You know, box office-wise, their brand has been tarnished. And Lightyear is a make-or-break movie for Pixar. And I do not think it's going to make it. I, I, think, I think Lightyear is going to make big money, of course. But I think when we look back, this might be one of the disappointments of the summer. I think, Pat, I think you totally nailed it that Disney's Bob Chapstick, he -hmm. has totally taken the Pixar brand and just thrown in the mud and, and stomped all over it by putting it on Disney+. Plus. He's relegated it to streaming only. And then all of a sudden you're going to bring out this creatively bankrupt idea and mm-hmm. foist it on people and expect this to do Bafa Bobo. It's not. And people are not used to going back to the theater to see Pixar movies. The other mm-hmm. thing, too, is that I know it's the original guy that the toy's based on, huh? But how do you do this movie? Without the Tim Allen, the tool man himself. How do you put Chris Evans, who has a voice that's whatever, it's fine. We know he's Captain America. He was the original Human Torch. He was in Not Another Teen Movie. Like, I recognize the voice, but that's not, he's not a voice actor. He's not, he's not Lightyear. Why not just get the original guy to do this voice? I, I feel like that's so, so dumb. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the kind of thing that's going to have a backlash because Tim Allen definitely has his fans in the stacks and with the Plain Billies and the Earth Dogs, 
And I think as we get closer to light year and those people start to realize Tim Allen got replaced and, and Tim Allen is, is, you know, being kicked out of the Disney machine by Chris Evans. I think that that fan base or that, that kind of crowd is going to say, you know, not our light year and, and, and not go and not allow their kids to go, which is a real jerk move. But if people make the, listen, people parent in all sorts of ways. So I, I feel like there's going to be some backlash against this movie and, you know, oh, well, Jeff, go for it. You, you talk us, maybe talk us down well, no, uh, I, in terms of no, what you're I think you guys are, are right. I, I will say that um, I, I feel a little bit differently about Pixar. I think Disney almost championed the brand, but for their own selfish reasons and put it on D plus because they knew they could keep the streaming community happy. And that's a subscription based. That is money coming in every single month. And they have holes on their D-plus schedule. I mean, if if you're a big Disney Plus fan, they have a great library, but they don't have a lot of great content coming in month to month. And so they did what they had to do. And unfortunately, uh, that was taking Pixar's work and putting it straight to D-plus. And, you know, just based on what I saw from the financials, that actually seemed to work for them. That was another good move by Disney. A lot of us don't like it that love theatrical, yes, but... If we look at the company as a whole, I think it was the right move for them. And again, Disney's all about their own money. If you ever deal with Disney on a theatrical level, they are the devil. They're very difficult to deal with. They don't budge. That's the way they've always worked since they were dropping movies like Home on the Range and It's Pat. They don't bargain Mm -hmm. with you. They give you the price. You pay that price. That's Disney. That's how they've always done it. So listen. Um, that's, that's my little spiel on Pixar, but, but where Lightyear is at, I agree with you. I just don't think it's, it's of the quality that, that we're probably used to seeing. It also arrives one week after Jurassic World. And that's, we know that's going to dominate so much. And then guess what? In two weeks, Minions comes out. So it doesn't really have a great release date. And so unless it opens huge, which I don't really expect it to, or even if it does, it's going to drop off pretty quick. Even I'm, I'm honestly, I'm more excited for Marcel the Shell with shoes on. If we're going to be honest about it, that that seems like the animated film of the summer to me, the A24 film. Well, that could also be Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Could be the A24 movie that uh, is sort of the, the, the meat puppets to everything, everywhere, all at yes. once is Nirvana. Yes. That could be the A24 movie that gets that buzz and the teens and the tweens and the 20 something say, you know what? I'll go see a small movie because it worked out well for me the last time. And you know, that A24 logo, I kind of, I kind of dug that. So uh, I'll see the next one. So I, I agree though with Lightyear. It's a tough spot. It's probably not going to open number one because, like you said, the second weekend of Jurassic uh, World Dominion probably beats Lightyear's opening weekend, which is wild to think. And then you'll get a lot of bad press out of that. And then two weeks later, the Munions are just going to come in and and stomp all over uh, uh, Buzz. And Buzz is going to meet a pretty bad fate. His his helmet's going to be broken. He's going to be out there floating in space, and those Munions are going to be laughing their asses and guys, off at the box Buzz, Buzz has always had Woody at his side at all times. You're telling yeah. me he's going in there doing a movie without his best friend, his partner, and you and we're just supposed to accept that? Come on. 
Yeah, yeah. And well, speaking of Woody, uh, Tom Hanks, the voice of Woody, he has a movie opening the week right after Lightyear. So we've got a little bit of a Buzz versus Woody competition at the box office because Tom Hanks, June 24th, he's got Elvis coming out from Warner Brothers Pictures. And it's a Baz Luhrmann movie. It's got... Uh, Austin Butler, who I'm not, you know, not very uh, hugely aware of, but he's playing Elvis. But he was Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Tex in one. Okay, great. So he's he's got some chops. We know that. Is this Elvis movie going to be something that I think the barometer for this is? Is this a hundred million dollar hit? Is this the hit that, listen, Tom Hanks doesn't need it. He's a forever movie star. He's one of the biggest stars uh, that we'll ever have. But is this the, you know, the the Tom Hanks hit that every couple of years he needs to just sort of, not? I don't even want to say stay relevant. Tom Hanks will always be relevant. But are we going to get a Tom Hanks hit this summer? Is Elvis going to do 100? Well, I think, Pat, I think you were going a little bit back and forth with whether or not Tom Hanks needs this. Tom Hanks needs this. Mm-hmm. He needs this at the box office because his last few movies have gone to streaming. Greyhound, Apple Plus, Finch, I think that was the name of that film, Apple yeah. Plus. This guy needs to be in a theatrical film that is a hit because we think Tom Cruise will always be relevant, but we are oldsters. Tom Hanks may not be relevant to Gen Z or the Zoomers. That is a possibility. As crazy as that could seem to us, there he is. He may not be relevant. So I think this is important for him. I think that this film, and Pat, I know you're high on this film. Very high. The, the sort of juke, jukebox biopic has had some... High highs, right? When mm-hmm. you're looking at the uh, 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 Bohemian Rhapsody, Bohemian Rhapsody the biggest was, one was what I was searching for, and you know some lows where you're looking at uh, the the respect, something like right. that. Now, I think that this could be an adult hit because, like you said, it's got Tom Hanks, but Elvis seems to be perennially popular. His catalog is vast. I -hmm. think the reception to this trailer has been surprising to me, seeing people be psyched, pumping their fists, watching this trailer. And I do think that this could be a solid, solid hit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. guys, this is like the Beatles, Elvis, Madonna. You know, like you just look Mm -hmm. at their vast catalog. And you're, you're right, it's probably going to be a little jukeboxy, but that's what Baz Luhrmann does. And he does it well with Moulin Rouge. I, I think that was a music video. The entire film was, and it was wonderful. And people are going to remember that. And people are going to, I mean, if Rocket Man, if Elton John's film can do 96 million, this Elvis that's is the one. Elvis is 100 million easy. In fact, I think it gets past 150. I think this becomes a surprise. I think, you know, if Great Gatsby can do, I think it did 144 million domestic. Um, this is a much better story, I think, than, than it's even more relatable, um, Elvis, as just a figurehead um, than, than Gatsby is in terms of the general populace. So I, I just think that they're going to hit it. They're hitting it at the right time that opens the weekend before 
4th of July. Are you kidding me? You know, and you got mm-hmm. only the minions coming out on the 4th of July. You don't really have an adult film. So this and Black Phone, which also opens the same weekend of Elvis and Marcel the Shell, I think they're all going to just do really well over those next couple weeks until Thor Love and Thunder just takes over. Yeah, I love I love hearing that. I mean, I've seen this Elvis trailer in theaters and it plays so well on the big screen. You know, it feel this is a movie and listen, we all think there should be more movies released in theaters, but this movie definitely feels like it will play big and it will play like it it's earned being a big summer movie. It has scope and, and yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. If Rocket Man could make ninety six million, then Elvis with Tom Hanks uh, uh, in a big supporting role should should do one hundred one twenty easy for sure. And, and look at the look at the popularity of festivals. Music festivals mm-hmm. are everywhere. They're infesting every state in the United States, and it's because music has become communal again. People want to commune over music. And if they can't be someplace live, live, because obviously Elvis is dead. Uh, so there, there is a need for people to commune together to see something like this. And I think that's only going to get more and more popular. And again, he is huge. So I agree. Elvis is going to be a big one, but I don't think it'll be one of the top three movies of the summer. I think we all agree Munions and uh, Jurassic World Dominion uh, or Jurassic World Dominion, you know, if they mm-hmm. ever did the mashup. Those are your your slam doinks for the top two. But for the number three spot, I think there's a few contenders. So I'll throw them out here and, and maybe, Jeff, you could go first and let me know what you see the order of these. I think... The next biggies after that are, like you said, Thor, Love, and Thunder, and uh, I would say the DC League of Super Pets, and then Nope. To me, those are the three possibilities for to, to round out your top five domestically. So, Jeff, am I wrong? Am I right? Do those feel like those are the next three big, big biggies for the summer? Um. Okay. I, I'm going to... DC Super Pets to me is just a great unknown. I've seen the trailer. I've seen Mm -hmm. it play in front of people and there is like zero response. Like people don't even know what's going on here. I mean, could you imagine Mm -hmm. if Marvel came out with Marvel Pets, Super Pets? Like it just, it's crazy, right? To think of extending the brand to, I mean, let's be honest, Taco Bell. I mean, DC mm-hmm. Super Pets is not McDonald's. Yep. It's probably, I don't even know if it's Burger King, but it might be Taco Bell. And that's popular, mm-hmm. but it's not It's not like you go to Taco Bell and say, I need that kid's burrito meal, because I don't even know if that exists. But that's what it seems mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. at that level. So I I still think Lightyear does better business than this, these, these Super Pets. Again, it is a long way out. We haven't seen the full onslaught of the marketing. So who knows? Um, but but I, I agree. I think Thor is right in there. Love and Thunder. I mean, what if it does even more than Doctor Strange? I mean, it's possible. We don't know um, what kind of threads this film has in it in terms of uh, Phase 4, and we don't know what kind of cameos we're going to get. I I think if we look at what Doctor Strange was, uh, spoiler alert for all those who haven't seen it, what the hell are you doing? There weren't enough cameos for for my taste. And the cameos that were there, uh, most people didn't even know who the hell these characters were. You know, so... 
I don't think they did the, a good as job as they could have um, after what we saw, especially with Spider-Man. So I think, and I'm sure, you know, Thor's already done. It was already planned ahead. So it'll be interesting. I just, I feel like there's a lot more going on. There's going to be a lot more fun, more spontaneity. Um, and it's, and we know it's going to be more of a comedy than obviously Doctor Strange because it wasn't a comedy at all, but there's always laughs in Marvel's film. And I just think that's going to hit perfect mid, you know, you're, you're melting out there in the middle of uh, July. This is the film that everybody's going to want to see easily top five, in my opinion, uh, DC Super Pets. I just I I, I want to think that it makes the top ten, but I, again, I think that's up to the oldsters and how well mm-hmm. they back Downton Abbey because Downton Abbey could sneak in there, right? Like that film did some serious mm-hmm. business. Um, I just don't know. Is like DC Super Pets even a hundred million dollar film? Is it an eighty million dollar film? Is it a bad guys level film? I just I don't know yet. You know, um, mm-hmm. when I think of Nope, I you know you mentioned. Um, Jordan Peele's next film that's going to hit on on every level. It's a great has a great release date. Um, he's obviously built up a huge wave of of fans. He has a massive following. Uh, you know, it's it's going to have basically two weeks before now Bullet Train opens, so it's going to commandeer those IMAX screens and all those uh, high level premium screens. So Nope has a very clear path to do be I think to do very well along with Bullet Train actually because like you said earlier, Pat. August is just a wasteland. And so guess what? That's not a bad thing, right? That's going back to normal, right? Remember how August just Mm -hmm. sucks balls all the time? Well, guess what, guys? In 2022, August, outside of Bullet Train, sucks balls again. You know, it's just – so it's nice to have that familiarity, right? Right. It's a throwback. It's a throwback. You know, we got spoiled the the, the last few years pre-pandemic where August was being treated somewhat like June and July, where you'd get two or three big movies. And and traditionally, August has always been, maybe you get one final big movie the end of July or first week in August, and then you use August to play catch up on everything you haven't seen. So we're sort of back to that right now. Uh, I mean, DC League of Super Pets, you know, the the thing, I I agree, it's it's a movie that could go so many ways, but it also could be a uh, a secret life of pets with uh, IP DC superheroes. You know, this is also a movie that it could make 60 or 80 million domestic or can make $240 million domestic. I mean, it uh, to me, it does have a really high ceiling. Well, these characters do exist in the DC universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, the super pets are a thing. Now, I don't know. There's been so many continuity changes, so many crises on infinite earths that I'm not sure if they're still canon, but at a time, crypto was an existing character that there was a, there was a cat that had superpowers. These characters exist in continuity at some point in DC. So they were not creating these for -hmm. this film. So there are a lot of super fans out there that this could be, hey, this is the first time we're seeing the super pets on screen. There could be a uh, there could be an audience for this. I think this is going to be a big hit. I mm-hmm. think that Thor Love and Thunder, it's it's weird because it feels like you guys are both a little bit low on this film. And I think this is going to oh. be huge. Oh, I think it's going to be you. I mean, I have it as right now. My guess would be it's the number three movie of the summer. Yes. Yeah, that's that's, that's where I have it. 
and that's how I feel too. Okay, because I feel like we, we weren't giving it the respect. I mean, they, this movie is going to be gigantic. It's basically Thor four and Guardians of the Galaxy two point five. So this is uh, this is going to be a, a huge mashup of the two, and I think it's going to be gigantic. Now, nope, I think nope is going to be his signs, and we mm-hmm. all know signs opened. In August, and this was in, what, 2002. So I think that Us made $71 million opening. Mm-hmm. I think this thing could go off huge because he did not have the little downturn that M. Night had. He is our M. Night that is currently working, although M. Night is doing some good things with low budgets. Jordan Peele is our high-budgeted M. Night for this generation. And I think this movie looks interesting. People are willing to go with him on something. They're looking for something weird and creepy. I think this is his signs. So I think this thing opens huge. And it has a... Yeah, Yeah. good points, Clayton. It also has a great release date. You know, when we talk about um, genres being overlooked... Horror is kind of overlooked this summer. You know, Firestarter was not a non-starter like we talked about. And outside of that, you know, where where are gonna people and then Black Phone opens end of June. So it has a month between that, and then like we said, it has all of August until September, until we see that Salem's lot finally open. So this is gonna have a good run. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say, I mean, if we want to still talk about nope, we can, but Bullet Train is a movie I feel like is going to underperform. Okay. Interesting. Because what, I just why, feel why? like those kind of action movies can be hit or miss. People love Brad Pitt, but this does not feel like a blockbuster to me. This feels like a sort of movie that you would see Frank Grillo do if it was on Netflix and you're just grafting Brad Pitt into it and a few other high, uh, you know, bigger named people although otherwise it's joey king aaron taylor johnson brian tyree henry i mean these are not big names well i I think there's there's one big name there's one name that i think you're glossing over sandy bullock well sandy bullock not even sandy bullock when we're talking about the youngsters and we're talking about the teens and the tweens and the 20 somethings and we're also talking about a diverse audience bad i think you are you are underselling the bad, bad bunny, bunny baby. He's in it for. Bunny. He's going to be in it for five minutes. He's going to get. It, it's going to be basically common in uh, John Wick two. That's what but, his scene is going to be. But the bad bunny is going to tweet about it, and more importantly, he's going to Instagram about it, and he's going to TikTok about it, and TikTok ain't ticks, buddy. He's not. <laughs> but but they are when you have the bad bunny's reach. And I think you are underselling the presence of the Bad Bunny in Bullet Train is going to is gonna be big, big promotion. They did not get him in this movie by accident. He is there for a reason. Be, for, yeah, for and, El Muerto. And Brad Pitt, listen, I, I think the, the success line for this movie is not the same as it is for other ones. I think Bullet Train getting to 80 or 90 is a hit and if it gets to 100 it's a huge hit and the thing bullet train has in its favor is going to be 
it's the last big movie of the summer. It opens that first week in August. It's got a couple of weeks between Nope and its release. And then there is nothing big coming out. You know, so Bullet Train is going to have to have the free guy type. It sticks around in the top three for five, six straight weeks, which it possibly could do if it ends up being good. But this feels like a a Hitman's Bodyguard type of film to me. I I think that um, Brad Pitt just elevates everything right now. He's just he's he's just winning on all levels right now. When you when you go back to win. Quentin Tarantino's last film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it opened, it was supposed to open the same weekend. They pushed it back into the first week of August now, but it was going to lock down that same very spot where Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just blew through August. It grossed, what, 130, 140 million, something like that domestic. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that this, this will do that kind of business, but it definitely is on the right track to do it just because of how, again, sometimes right film, right place right time it is facing films like this the bride fear beast mac and rita easter sunday like are you kidding me secret headquarters nobody knows what those films are right and they come out in like three months so it and everybody kind of knows what bullet train is and i just think just if if we just put that into the equation it's the right film at the right place at the right time starring the right guy that's going to carry it to a hundred million, uh, especially through Labor Day. There's still nothing open through Labor Day. It's Bullet Train and Nope or Bust, basically, and Super Pets, of course. Mm-hmm. I, I think with Bullet Train, it has to be good and it has to be a movie people are are, are giving good word of mouth to, because if it is, then yeah, it'll play pretty well for five or six straight weeks. And if it's bad, then it has no chance because it's not IP and it's not. Uh, cheese for the rats and you know brad pitt's a movie star but that's not enough if the movie is not good yeah this movie has to be good i think this movie will not be good and i think it will end up domestically under a hundred million dollars yeah though i again i don't know if a hundred million is the success line for this movie you know i think if by september this movie's at 80 million that's probably a hit because it is a self-contained action movie that's not ip let's just hope sony didn't spend more than say 75 million because that's what it sounds like if they spent 150 they're in they may be in trouble yes yeah um all right guys i'm gonna throw something out there uh i'm looking at this schedule of movies that are definitely coming out in theaters and there are some movies coming out this summer that are not going to be in theaters. They're going to be streaming only. And I'll throw one out to get started. There might not be that many, but I think there are some movies that really should have come out in movie theaters that apparently are only going to be streaming. And the first one I'm going to throw out there is on June 8th, Clayton, this is something we talked about because the trailer just dropped, but Netflix has a, basketball drama starring their biggest star adam sandler called hustle we saw the trailer the movie looks fantastic and this is the type of movie that it's not going to make 100 150 million it's not big daddy anything like that but it's the type of movie that netflix really should have been giving a 3000 theater plus two-week, three-week exclusive theatrical release too because I do think something like Hustle with Adam Sandler coming out this summer, getting a real theatrical release 
could have made some bank. So I'll throw that one out there. So if you guys want to talk to that movie or if you think there's some other movies that are streaming only that also should have came out in movie theaters. I mean, well, I agree with that. I mean, we talked about it off mic that, you know, the NBA is the most popular sports for people to actually watch. I think football is maybe more popular because of gambling, but I do think people actually enjoying a product, NBA is the most popular sporting uh, event going. And I do think Sandler's at an all-time high. Kids love him. They know him. And I do think this movie could have made a good amount in uh, in a release. I think a movie that is uh, possibly still going to stream is Lightyear. So we'll see about that. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Bob Chapstick could pull that from the, fi- from the uh, release uh, schedule and throw that onto Disney+. Plus. I wouldn't put it past him. So that's a possibility there. But I'm looking at these other streaming films because, you know, I'm on Wikipedia and you do have to kind of filter out, oh, geez, what is actually going to be on a screen and what is going to be on a phone? And so I'm looking through some of this stuff. I mean, there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that's coming out on Netflix and I believe it's animated, so it's 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 a Nickelodeon production. Mm-hmm. Why not put that in theaters? I mean, that's something right. that I know uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles might be a more tired franchise, but you could get 10, 20, 30 million dollars from a release there, I would think. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I mean that that's one, yeah. Yeah, we're we're to the point now that um, you know, having thirty-seven percent less fewer wire, wide releases this summer, it's it's an issue. It really is. I, and, I, and I know it, it's, it's a great idea to think that these films will play longer because there's not as much, much competition, but we know that's not true. We know where the competition is. It's in the streamers. And that's where the other competition comes from. We only have so much time uh, before that beautiful ball of fire, you know, sets over the, the beautiful mystic mountains and the lake and our summer time. You know, that's just the way it is. Like summer is great. You know, we're camping, we're out on the water, but we're also in the movie theater watching movies. And now we're at home streaming the, uh, these films like The Gray Man, the, the Russo Brothers films. Uh, this comes out July 15th on, I believe, Netflix, right? Um, yeah. Yes. I, I mean, Chris Evans, Ryan Gosling. Are you kidding me? How could that not play in theaters, honestly? Um, the The budget on that one, Jeff? Two hundred million dollars. Okay. It, oh it needs to play in theaters. Then it needs July fifteenth. Exactly. Now that's troubling uh, because you really would have to release it um, against Minions if you want that two week, and then you're going to run into going up against Minions and Thor. So you got problems. But uh, so ideally, you'd you'd probably want to release it in June, maybe at, at some point. But again, that that's difficult to do. Hey we're still at the point where there's only one or two big box office successes every month. Um, now this summer is, is looking to change that, but it'll be a really good, I think peek into where the box office is really at this summer, how long these films stay in theaters and, and, and you know, how, how good their legs are, because we are going to have, especially when we get into uh, later uh, June and in July, we're going to have, three or four big films playing at the exact same time. And we'll see if the market uh, can, can, can hoist those films up at the box office that it's going to be a a pretty big challenge. I think, I think it can do it. 
Um, but you're right. There is room for these films like the Adam Sandler film. Hey, if Uncut Gems can make 50 million, there's there, this, this film should be in theaters and the same, even, even, um, the new Predator film, Prey, which is coming out August yes. 5th, I believe, on uh, Hulu. That film should have a couple weeks in theaters because, yeah, it may not be big, it may not be huge, but there it does have a pretty solid fan base. That fandom would definitely turn out for a couple IMAX showings of that film. Um, so Disney, who who obviously produced that through 20th Century Studios, you know, the they made the decision to go straight to Hulu, but God, it would be nice to see that on the big screen. I think a lot of people would show up to that film. Yeah. Especially in August. It's the dull. I mean, this prey, the predator movie is such an old fashioned August genre movie. You know, it's just a movie that'll open to seven or 8 million. It'll play for a couple of weeks. And I get that it costs money to market a theatrical release, but I just can't understand I can't imagine that the cost of that isn't worth giving a movie like that some kind of release because it it'll it's got the built-in IP. It'll make money, and that Gray Man movie, that Netflix movie, it's the Russo brothers, and I think that that is going to be the epitome of Netflix just burning cash for no real reason because. It, it, it's going to come out in the middle of the summer and I don't think it's going to get a huge amount of buzz just as a streamer and they're going to make zero dollars off of it theatrically. I mean, that is, that is crazy to me. It's if I'm crazy. a stuck, yeah, if I'm a Netflix stockholder, I'm looking at that and my stomach is dropping. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't know that yeah. we're going to see films like that greenlit anymore. I really do think that no. this kind of we, – we, we put the kibosh on that after what happened. Um, I just – you know, nobody wants to see Bright 2, especially now with the whole Slapgate. But even before, mm-hmm. nobody really wanted to see Bright. So why would they want to make – why would we want to spend $150 million to make Bright 2? You know, they just – they haven't made great choices in terms of actually finding IP or developing sequels and franchises. They just – they missed. I mean it's pretty obvious – like their best play has been getting Adam Sandler to commit to long-term movies, you know, and, and people yeah. laughed at that. I remember people were just laughing their asses off. Like that was a, such a bad move for Sandler. It turned out to be a great move for him actually. And he can still go both ways. He can go back to, to theaters and he should uh, with this film yes. that he has coming out. And, and, you know, there's just, there, there's a problem with Netflix and, and we all know it's over, overspending, but even more than that, it's just, like I said, it's it's not understanding the machine that you're building. You have to you have to have an impact on people. And if you don't even come out with a poster, I'm on IMDb right now, and I'm looking at the Gray Man, the image that they have. It is ridiculous. It looks like it was done by a two year old. You know, it says the Gray Man. Mm-hmm. There's a there's some kind of uh, bus or subway and somebody's head, and that's it. And I'm like, what? are you kidding me? That's the image that you're going with? Someone created that. Someone got paid to make that image that's sitting on IMDb right now for a $250 million Jeez. film. It's ridiculous, guys. This is bad. And it goes back to, again, y- y- you got to have a junior marketing assistant who who goes in that office with the, the family camp poster. And that might be the only thing that saves the gray man. They, 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 they have to fix this. Um, Looking at some movies we haven't talked about, I'll throw out there for some quick hits. 
do we have any hope for the uh, big screen adaptation of Where the Crawdads Sing? That was a huge book hit a few years ago. That's the type of movie that back in the day would have been a bigger movie because you're taking one of the biggest books of the last few years and you're giving it the big screen treatment. It's from Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine. Is is this this is the this is a movie that the last couple of years most likely would have been made into a streaming series, but they made it into a movie, so I'm excited about that. Is there any chance this turns into an old-fashioned hit, or is this going to be something they should have put on streaming? I mean, name, other than Gone Girl, name a major hit book that has been adapted into a hit movie in the last 10 years. There was the Julia Roberts movie um, based on the book, whereas the, the the kid from The Room, I'm totally forgetting the name of it, but that was a gigantic hit. Oh, that's a kid's book. Yeah, uh, the one with Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, that so, movie, so adult, I'm wonder, sorry, adult yeah. book, book for yeah. adults. Yeah, it has. It's a genre that used to be one. Of, I mean, that that used to be that used to be the superhero genre of the eighties and nineties. You know, you you take a, uh, a the Clancy firm, a Grisham, right? And and it's a it's a slam doink hit. Obviously, that's not the case now. I kind of agree. I, I'd be surprised if that happens with this movie, but. Jeff, middle of August, where the crawdads sing. Any chance that this is a surprise? I hit? mean, let's see. I have it opening July fifteenth. Is that what you guys still have? Did it? Yeah. Yes, July fifteenth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's grouped with like two other films. Uh, STX has Bed Rest, which I guess is a horror film, maybe a thriller, and then Paramount has that Blazing Samurai that they retitled the Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, which will do mm. zero business. It probably should be on Paramount Plus. Um, so it, it's mm-hmm. it's like thrown out there with three other films facing the backside of Thor, Love and Thunder, which we all agree is going to be one of the top three films of the summer. Um, yeah. And I know you obviously you say, oh, hey, that's a counter programming play right there, folks. Yeah, it is. But it's also sandwiched between Thor, Love and Thunder and Nope. Are you kidding me? Like two of the probably the most most hyped up films of the summer. I, I just don't see this thing going anywhere. You know, I just don't. As much yeah. as I ag- agree, I agree. I wish more films like this would be made, but the audience just isn't there right now. And and I doubt in the su- hey, guess what? They're the only film like that of the summer. So hopefully, they catch something. Maybe they'll catch a little lightning bug in a jar, and it'll be a success for Sony. But uh, I just I have a hard time believing that that's true. I can I can barely get myself to say those words. What about this one? Uh- movie we mentioned briefly opening the same week as Elvis June 24th The Black Phone it's a Blumhouse movie starring Ethan Hawke is this possibly in a summer in which there is no The Purge movie is this this summer's The Purge is this a movie that could actually open to you know 15 to 20 and and end up at like 45 50 million domestic Uh, I, I think so I think this movie has great buzz I think they I don't think I know they moved this this film into the summer because they thought it had a chance to make Bafa Bobo. Ethan Hawke, I believe, is at a career peak at the moment. 
him coming back to a Blumhouse production after basically putting them on the map with the Purge and what was the other one? Sinister. What, what was Sinister. The, Sinister, yes. And uh, uh, how could I forget Bagul? Right. So uh, the villain of Sinister, we all know Bagul. So I do think that this is going to be a, a, a very, not a very big hit, but I think this is going to be very lucrative. And it's going to put Plum, Blumhouse, I think, back a little bit on the map as, oh, they can still do the thing that they are known for. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, mm-hmm. Scott Derrickson uh, is directing this, um, the director of Doctor Strange, and at one time was obviously supposed to direct the sequel to Doctor Strange, and he moved on to this project. Um, and horror is, you know, horror is what he does. He is really good at it. Um, and um, this film, again, comes out at a great time. It's the end of June, and it doesn't have another horror film, really, until Nope opens. So it's got a month, and the next week is Independence Day. Are you kidding? Yeah, it plays out just like The Purge. It's, this thing will probably do, you know, Candyman business. Um, 70, 75 million, possibly. I mean, that would be fantastic. And you know what? Yeah, Candyman is one that you, you forget about how much money that movie made at the end of August last year. People love horror. You know, the rats need their cheese and the, uh, I don't know. The, the Gorehounds need the, their blood. The Gorehounds need their blood. Yeah. So is there any other movie that we haven't touched on that anyone thinks could break out, you know, relative to its, its station in life? Well, I think can, we all think Bob's Burger movie is going to be a, a total nothing burger. Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing anything that that I think is going to break out. Again, I wish they were releasing the Sandler movie Hustle because I think that could have been a big summer hit. Yeah, I think, but, um, you know, you know, we're not back to normal when in ju- I think it's it's June 3rd. There are no big films from any of the studios releasing. And I know that's the mm-hmm. weekend after Memorial Day, but this is summer we're talking about, guys. This isn't this right. isn't the minor league spring, you know, this isn't the fall. This is summer box office. We have a new big movie every single week. That's the game. Well, there's there's no yep. film on June third. There's the watcher from IFC films, which I think they're gonna go wide with it because there's nothing else there. I think it's a horror film. Um, but but other than that. You know, uh, why not put all those Netflix movies on that weekend? Open all of them. The Gray Man, the Adam Sandler one, Prey, yes. the Hulu film. Open them all on June 3rd and let's just see how much box office they do. You know what I mean? Because part of this is momentum. And I've always felt this way about summer box office. Man, I love to sit in the theater every single week. And whatever the new big thing is, I want to go watch it, you know. And you can't just mm-hmm. take a week off. You can't drop Top Gun Maverick in the Bob's Burger movie and then just say, hey, you know, we're going to take a couple weeks off. We're on summer break now. That's just not how the right. studios usually do it. They usually sit – summer break starts in August, you know, especially on, on right. Labor Day. That's summer break, but not in the middle of the season, not June 3rd. That is just not a weekend to take yeah. off. And that's just – it's unfortunate that that's the way it is, but let's be honest. Hey, when the pandemic happened, and 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 we are talking about two years, you know, removed from the start of that, a lot of these films that were in production were compromised, you know, and they and, and some of them just didn't go, some restarted later, and what we're seeing right now is the effects of that. You know, this is why we have thirty-seven percent less content than we did back in the summer of two thousand nineteen. That is just the reality of the situation. So again. This is the rebuild year. We're on the bridge. We're looking at it all. The great thing about it is, and like, like I think we're all in agreement, all of these big budgeted films, they're going to do pretty well. 
And that you can't say that mm-hmm. about every summer. There's always a long, long ranger, you know, they're lone ranger. There's always a water world, although still making money at Universal Studios, guys. Come on, let's be honest. Um, but but I don't foresee any of these big films, these big budget films tanking. And that's a rarity. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's there's nothing that has I mean, the worst buzz might be buzz himself is Lightyear. You know, I don't I don't know if there's another one of these big movies that seems like they're going to have Waterworld type, you know, bad pre buzz ahead of it. Uh, I, I don't see which of these that would be. Yeah, they're probably all going to be pretty successful. But again, there are so few of them that we don't have a chance for there to be your Waterworlds, your uh, uh, uh you know, your Lone Ranger type summer bombs, your Wild Wild Wests and such. Yeah. Now, uh, can I call out a possible sleeper? Of course. So August 5th, mm-hmm. we've got a film called Easter Sunday mm-hmm. starring Joe Coy, who is a big stand up, uh, a guy who sells out to big arenas, probably not well known by anybody who doesn't follow stand-up comedy. But, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, he's, let me rephrase that. He's probably more popular than we would assume he is. Yes. And this movie uh, is a comedy about him visiting his Filipino family. Now, these types of movies that are really targeted can bring out... Uh, certain demos that don't normally go to the f- to movies and not saying this is going to be a, a big fat Greek wedding or, or crazy rich Asians or something like that. But this could make a tidy sum. This movie could mm-hmm. surprise people because again, August is a bit of a wasteland. As we said, I think Easter Sunday could serve a market that is underserved. And I think that this could be a sleeper. I, I think it's a that, that's yeah, a it's great a great call. assessment. I think the only issue is it with it now is that Bullet Train moved onto that spot. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to go up against a big movie. I, 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 honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Universal moved that a week. Why not open it on the twelfth? Honestly, like you said, if mm-hmm. if it does have pull mm-hmm. and it, and it does have that audience, and you, you're right, it's probably not a crazy rich agents, but yeah, it's an underserved demo for sure, and um, and an up and coming. Um, comedian uh maybe on the big screen stage which we need a lot more of those right because they don't make comedies for the big screen anymore with with a featured player there are no eddie murphy's out there anymore you know it's just it's just Mm -hmm. not a thing unfortunately everybody's got their own tv series instead the the only movie that would be even considered a comedy this summer is thor i mean that's probably going to be your big comedy of the summer and you know, a thing that Easter Sunday has in its favor is Joe Coy is someone that people are used to buying tickets to see. So his mm-hmm. fans, they, they're not uh, they're not expecting, oh, we always wait for Joe Coy on streaming. No, they they spend hard-earned money to sit in a room on a chair and watch Joe Coy in a theater. So Easter Sunday is something that's very translatable to his fans. So you're right that that could be one that and and those stand up concert films, which you know this is not a concert film, but you know when you get a Kevin Hart 
and you're basically just saying, come see Kevin Hart in a theater the way you do in stadiums, those have done pretty well. So yeah, this this could be something that, wow, we look back and Easter Sunday's made $30 million at the end of its run. Yeah. Yeah, I just think they need now, to- do we- oh. I just oh. think they need to play with. No, you there's go. There's four wide releases that weekend right now, and that's just that's way too many, you know, on any weekend in the summer, and so they need to just space that out, like Easter Sunday or Secret Headquarters, which I don't even know what it is. It's such a secret. I think Owen Wilson's in it, um, and I, so it must be a comedy, right? I don't know. And then Bodies, Bodies, Bodies from A24 comes out that week, and then Bullet Train, which you know, like we said, it probably will open big. Uh, those movies, since Bullet Train just got there, I don't think we've seen the end of the uh, uh, of the release date changes. I think those are going to come back into play in the next couple weeks here, and we're going to see some of those films maybe move around. And and honestly, the, the the one criticism I have about Easter Sunday is honestly, why isn't it open next spring? Because it could, and it probably should. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Well, listen, that might be where they drop the sequel. So if Clayton is right and this does well turn these comedies around quick and Easter Sunday is Easter Sunday part two, the return. Now, can I call out what I think is going to be a complete disaster? And it's not going to be a disaster in the sense of a huge money loser because the budget has to be very, very small. But I'm looking at a film that's coming out July 29th called Vengeance. Mm -hmm. Directed and written by BJ Novak, starring Issa Rae, Mm -hmm. Ashton Kutcher, Dove Cameron. I feel like this movie is going to be a complete disaster. It feels to me like B.J. Novak is is trying to take a page out of Jordan Peele's book. And I, I can see this being an absolute zero at the box office. I mean, I, I have no reason to advocate for B.J. Novak's directorial, you know, horror debut it's about a radio host from New York who travels down south to investigate a murder. I mean, that 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 really listen, I haven't seen this film, but I could see this reeking of coastal elitism that is not gonna play well in the stacks. Who knows? BJ Novak might prove us wrong, but yeah, I think he's opening that movie a week after Nope, and uh, you know, the king of comedians gone horror auteurs is going to whip his ass at the box office. It's, I, it's I be, think the audiences gonna are going to say, nope. To vengeance. To yes. vengeance. Say nope to vengeance and say yep to nope is going to be the tagline. Although I think, well, you know, it's Universal Pictures, so it's not Blumhouse, but, it's, but they yeah. have the, it's focused but they features. have the yeah. relationship. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so there's not going to be that, but that would be a great tagline to use for <laughs> nope. I, yeah. I would, yeah. The the only hope Vengeance has is if it gets to play on some drive-in double, you know, double features. Yeah, and it might, and yes. then bodies, bodies, bodies. You get that triple feature, three horror films in a row. But you're right; it, it just doesn't mm-hmm. seem. And that's the other thing. I mean, Clayton, you 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 mentioned uh, this is a focus features film. Um, you know, outs, when we talk about what indies are gonna make roads at the box office this summer, and it's it's a pretty tough call. I mean, Downton Abbey. A new era. I don't really, it's not an indie anymore. I know Focus Features is putting it out, but we saw what the first one did when it slayed the box office. So that's, it's no secret that that film will have a pretty wide audience. But I do wonder about 
when we talk about focus features, we talk about A24, we talk about Neon, they're putting out probably the most releases on the independent scene this summer at those art houses. You know, who's going to show up? You know, men, does does Alex Garland actually have uh, an audience that will go see this? It looks pretty polarizing to me. Um, and then we talked, we touched on Marcel the shell with shoes on, which could be a surprise. And then A24 also has Bodies, 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 horror film with Pete Davidson um, and, and a lot of other uh, Gen Z and, and Gen X people. Um, but I don't see anything, like you said, in terms of vengeance. And then we have uh, Focus Features has a film called Brian and Charles about a man and his robot uh, and, and their best friends. It's kind of like Woody and Buzz, but uh, set in the UK, I believe. Um and then Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. None of these films are jumping out at me. You know, I, I'm saying these names. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you have Crimes of the Future, David Cronenberg's film, which, yeah, it's going to have its its fans. But th- there are very few fans, let me tell you. Because we all know what happened when he released films in the 80s and 90s. They did not make a lot of money, right? So Right, well, right. All yeah, hail the new flesh, yeah, but not exactly. at the box office. You're talking to two of the fans yeah. right here who are going to clamor to see that film. But we are not the norm we are not your average demo yeah exactly no, and so no. I, unfortunately i don't see any film doing everything everywhere all at once it's going to be more like nothing nowhere once in a while for um independent mm-hmm. films this summer nice so let's let's wrap this up with this prediction that we all can make it's something that we talked about at the top of the show when we get to I'll let me pick a date here. When we get to the middle of August, when we get to let's say August 20, you know, I'm gonna let's when we get to August 26, that weekend, will everything everywhere all at once be in the top 10? Wow, no way. (laughs) Clayton is a big no way. August 20, I should say, nope. You, you, but you're not saying nope, and that's that's big. So nope, it's it ain't no yeah. nope. I'm saying nope, nope. but but no. it's not nope. Um, <laughs> I, unfortunately, I'm gonna say no. But I'm gonna say if you would have gave me August fifth, I say yeah. Okay. I it, here's the the other and and I'm sure Clayton, that doesn't change anything for you. Nope. <laughs> no. The only other factor is like, when is this thing coming on streaming? Is it right? And that's the thing that really does. I mean, it kills box office momentum when a film, when an indie film like this just is playing gangbusters word of mouth, you know, and, and we've seen this for decades that, that these unheralded films just get propelled so much by just the conversation people have with each other. You gotta see this film, man. It's crazy. Um, and, and that just keeps going. That's why it's, it's been in the top five for eight weeks, but also the competition hasn't been there. Let's be honest. Uh, when the summer comes mm-hmm. in, there are tons. And even though this summer, like we said, doesn't have as many as 2019, it's got a lot. It would take something pretty special. Like maybe they could remix the cut of, uh, Everything everywhere. I'd like to see a little remix action. Mm-hmm. That would be nice, um, but but it would be difficult it, just because of the gauntlet of films that are coming out. Honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I tend to agree, but you know, it'll be one of the things that we we keep an eye on this summer is is how long it could stick around. So, guys, let's wrap this up with 
a final thought of we've talked about all these movies. We've 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 analyzed the whole summer. Jeff Bach, are you still feeling good about this bridge that we've built from the box office apocalypse of, you know, 2020 into 2021 summer into, you know, the 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 box office uh, nirvana of maybe the summer 2023. How are you feeling about the 2022 summer bridge? I think the bridge is right where Hollywood needs it to be and theaters. You know, mm-hmm. it is listen, Jurassic World, Thor, Doctor Strange, Minions, Lightyear, Top Gun, that is VIP IP right there, guys. That's what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Down Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. That is what audiences are buying tickets to. You know, make no mistake, at the end of the year, the top 10 movies are going to be superheroes, sequels, and slashers. That's just what audiences are about. And that, my friends, is what summer 2022 is about. It's all of those things, plus a couple wild cards like Elvis and Bullet Train. And like we said, nope, it's not really a slasher, but it, it is the horror genre. Uh, these are the films that, that, will take us to the promised land 2023 i think we all know where it's at and what's happening we're going to kick off with guardians of the galaxy volume three we're going to fast x the little mermaid spider-man across the spider-verse transformers rise of the beasts another pixar film elemental is is the new title and then we got the flash we got indiana jones folks that all those films i list come out before the end of june are you kidding me Wow. That's 2023, wow. you guys. Wow. And then we still have wow. another Mission Impossible, Barbie, Oppenheimer, The Marvels, Meg 2. Are you kidding me? That, folks, wow. is what we are building this summer. We are getting to that, and that is the promised land. Wow. Wow. I cannot wait. I am excited to ride on this bridge, and I am excited to get to the other side. And, uh, you know, the box office road is just constantly being paved. And, and I just listen, I don't drive in real life, but I love driving <laughs> on the box office bridge and the box office roads. So, Clayton, we, I think, have got to do I'm going to call it right now. We will do our preview of this upcoming weekend later in the week. I think I think we need to, to find time for a little bonus because you, you can't top what we just did talking about summer 2022. So we'll. We'll look ahead at the Downton Abbey weekend later in the week. We'll call it right here for our giant summer movie preview episode. Well, so yeah, Jeff, we know a yes. lot of our listeners have limited cellular data. So listening to this episode is going to eat up a lot of it. So yeah. we definitely do need to split this into two different episodes. Yeah. So uh, Jeff Bach, could you tell everybody where they could find you, and why they need to. If for, if somehow they're not already immersed in Exhibitor Relations Co., how could they get immersed, and what are they going to find once they are? The best are? way to do it is just jump on your old Twitter there, at ERC Box Office. And guys, the DMs are always open. You know, you want to slide a DM in there? I'll try to answer it. I mean, as long as it's not crazy or mean or belligerent, Anything other than that, if it's, you know, if it's sexual in some way, sure, I'll answer it. You know, it might not be the answer you want, Mm. but I will be there for you guys. You know, that's just part of the, what ERC is all about. We are there to answer your questions on the box office and, you know, let's go other places too, if you want to. 
I mean, listen, that is that is where uh, we you met the B.O. boys. So we won't go into details of what those initial messages were, but that is how we met, and that is how we are where we are now on the road, on the bridge to box office nirvana. As it should be. I mean, listen, a two-hour episode with the box office boys, I feel like I'm ready to watch, go watch summer movies right now. Unfortunately, I can only go to Firestarter. That's a problem. But in a couple weeks, it's not going to be a problem. I know you guys are going to grease yourselves up just like I am. We're all going to see mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick, and we should probably post our, our greasy you know, volleyball picks up there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. I, I think, listen, I mean, that is why you are the, uh, the, the Twitter superstar that you are, because you know all the angles. And yeah, uh, we got to put some greased out box office picks on Maverick opening weekend. That, that's going to create the buzz that Lightyear never will be able to match. So for the BO Boys, you could, of course, email us at the BO Boys podcast at gmail.com. Always getting great uh, emails from everyone. We got some new ones this week from Reed, from Danny over at Ice Cream. You, uh, Ice Cream, you scream for movies. Uh, we maybe we'll go over those emails when we get to our bonus app later in the week, looking ahead at this weekend's box office. So email us at the Bo Boys Podcast at Gmail Clayton, I think we've done it. We definitely did it. And I don't think there's anything left to say except for until next time. Until next time. We'll smell you at the box office. Nailed it.